Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Call Me Crazy. Y'all can call me Baz. Um, this week I'm joined by a very well, two very special guests um, that are part of their own um, established podcast. And they've actually taught me so much in such a short period of time. Um, if you guys wanted to introduce yourselves and then we can get into um, a little bit more about our pod together. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll kick things off. Yeah. So, hey everyone, uh, my name is Owen Osinde, um, co-host and co-founder of the Hustle Over Everything podcast. Uh, we started the podcast about, uh, I started about last summer before Alex joined me earlier this year. But generally what we're talking about is we're bringing entrepreneurs on our podcast to really share the process of the grind at the journey of building a sustainable business and the ups and downs that come from that. Our core ideologies that we believe that entrepreneurship is 99% of ups and downs and you have that 1%, which makes you look like an amazing success that you had no failure, but really want to talk about like the ups and downs that really got you to that success and provide value to our listeners who are building businesses or who are thinking about building a business. And uh, yeah, so that's me. I'm 26, uh, living in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, I love positivity and we love spreading the good word through our Hustle Over Everything podcast. Most definitely. I'm Alexander, um, one half of Hustle Over Everything, um, co-host, co-founder. Um, yeah, with the podcast, just to add on to Owen to say, you know, with Hustle Over Everything, one thing you can't control is your hustle, you know, whether you show up and whether you learn and get value from different things to apply to yourself, you know? So that's one thing we want to um, impute upon um, our audience, you know, the things that they can uh, take control of and leverage to have a better life and a better hustle. So, yeah, that's just what we came to do, to spread knowledge, give um, value, and uh, create ecosystems, you know, mm. of uh, people, as Fran, Fran always says. I, I know. Hey, shout out to know, Fran. Oh, I love this. this. makes me so happy. Yeah, shout out to the friend zone pod. Yes, I love that. Um, Most definitely. Thank you guys for agreeing to be part of this i'm so excited mm -hmm. and i wanted to say before all this you kind of already answered my question of like why you guys started podcasting or like mm -hmm. what the podcast is about but is there a specific reason you chose podcasting as your platform uh <laughs> yeah i mean for me I've always wanted to start a podcast. And even when we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. I used to listen to these guys at Brilliant Idiots, Tax mm -hmm. Season, The Read, yeah. mm -hmm. um, how, to, how I Built This. Mm -hmm. And I just love the power that they have over a podcast. And it's like, I can talk about the things that I'm passionate about. And I always wanted to start a podcast. And Anchor came out with a platform. I was like, wow. Like, I was actually mm -hmm. in bed that day that I saw that ad on face on instagram mm -hmm. and i was like you know what i have to go for it so mm -hmm. i've always been told i'm like yo owen you always talk about a lot of business stuff and you're always talking positive and you're always very motivational why not just mm -hmm. start a podcast so i got signed up on anchor and the rest is history and i've been doing it for the past like three years now wow yeah yeah for me um i always wanted to like give value um and just help people you know um and I was, I was always told I had a voice for radio as well. So um, I was just like, all right, let's, let's, let's try this out as well. You know, um, yeah, that was basically the, the, the start of it for me. It was, it was just being like pushed into it. It felt really organic um, mm -hmm. and, and easy and not in the sense of like, there's no hardship to it, but it felt like this is something that I was meant to do. 
you know, and I always loved podcasts and um, like I used to listen to Larry King live, mm-hmm. uh, 60 Minutes, Barbara Walters, you know, um, now it's like a lot of Charlemagne the God and um, Joe Rogan, Joe Budden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and a lot of podcasts too, you know, from um, Friend Zone, Lip Service, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mandy's podcast. Um, I can't forget the name of her pod. But um, yo, the horrible decisions is a horrible decisions. That's yeah, a good yeah. one. Sometimes it gets too crazy for me. I was like, yo, I can't do this right now. I can't. She discussed. She said, X on the what? On the what? Oh, nah, I can't. I can't do it. I there are a lot. There are a lot. It's horrible a lot. decisions. I have to take in doses. I can't listen no, to it like, every week. It's too it, much. It, it gets a lot. It gets a lot. Oh, and you hear the horrible decisions? I haven't heard about it. Yeah, is it good? Oh man, it's, it's it gets good at points, and there's points where it's like, all right, this is a lot right now. This is really happening. I'm really listening to this right now. What is mm-hmm. it like? Is the content like raunchy or something? Very like that? raunchy. It's a really? sex podcast. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, there's that. Um, but then back into business. You know, I love entrepreneurship. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. also I didn't mention. Um, I also have a marketing agency called Wit Media, uh, where we help um businesses, small to medium sized businesses, uh, grow on social media through paid advertising. So. Yeah, man. Um, entrepreneurship has been like a focus of mine and it's been hung, hunger for knowledge, you know. Um, I remember when I was in grade six, um, a, a teacher was told me, have you ever thought a thought that's never been thought before? Oof. You know, and I was like, that always stuck with me. So I always try to like grow to learn what other people are thinking mm. and learn like how I can build upon myself, you know. Mm. So, yeah. I love that. Oh, every time I listen to people talk, I forget that I'm like on a podcast and have to think of like the next thing. I'm like, yeah, that's so interesting. Like I'll genuinely be listening. Um, Mm -hmm. But you said so much. And I think the biggest thing that I was surprised, surprised but pleasantly surprised is that you guys listen to a lot of the podcasts that I listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I haven't found that um, a lot in people in general and the ones that do listen to the podcasts that I listen to are women and to see two men listen to these podcasts is really exciting because I know the content on there is it doesn't really have a gender you know what I mean it's just really interesting that you guys listen to that form that platform and it's really encouraging because there are like the friend zone is such a it's such an empowering podcast, I feel like, it, in terms of, like, mental health, wellness, and it's kind of, like, the avenue that I've always been inspired to be in. Mm-hmm. So I love that you guys like that. It's like, yeah. wow, where, where have these humans been? I'm happy it's not just me. What, what oh, got you into podcasting, Bess? Yeah. Oh, um, honestly, I want to say podcasting is what saved me when I was um, very much going through my mental health issues mm-hmm. because I needed constant distraction from my thoughts and I was going to school, but it was taking me an hour and a half to get to school to commute. So I couldn't really watch anything. I would try and read. Reading was hard because my attention span was very, very low. So I would listen to podcasts and podcasts almost became my like sanctuary and like my make-believe like friends almost like they were who I wanted to be around who I wanted to become you know and they kind of gave me that like hope like oh my god people like this exist like what and I was in a dark space and I really kind of just didn't think people like that existed or had stories like this or I could feel connected and to hear these like women and men talk about their resiliency talk about wellness in a way that was not just textbook but very relatable um I think that always stuck with me like the storytelling behind it and kind of just 
it, it felt different than watching someone. It felt less superficial. It like literally felt like I was listening to a friend or something like a phone call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like always stuck with me. Especially when you're like sleeping at night and you know mm-hmm. you're listening to a podcast. It's like you're hearing the story and you're visualizing it. Mm-hmm. it makes mm-hmm. like the experience so much better. I find. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, I do that too. I didn't know you did that one. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, every night before I go to bed, I have to play a pod. It's like it's either the mm-hmm. Raptors podcast, like it's like mm-hmm. a Raptors fan pod, mm-hmm. or Ben Baller. I listen to Ben Baller. His podcast, uh, yeah, yeah. other guys we speak about too. But I just have to listen to the comedy. It makes me feel good before going to bed. Yeah, and I turn it off, and then I like, I'm like, all right, you know what? That's enough. Time to hit mm-hmm. that. Yeah, there's also that. a timer setting there's like a timer setting i usually do and like i'll fall asleep before the timer finishes but it'll like turn off the podcast for you oh, in okay. case you fall asleep yeah just a fun ah, fact yeah yeah so if you fall asleep you're good it won't be it'll stop at the exact moment um oh. It's actually mm-hmm. a sleeper podcast. I, <laughs> I listen to. <laughs> it's a podcast that's, that's like literally specifically for like, like bringing you to sleep. Um, yeah, and this is guy. He literally just rambles and has like a specific <laughs> tone um, that's super calming and like just oh. knocks you the fuck out. So, oh, like us, I didn't ask that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can literally say whatever you want. The reason why, people always ask me that. And the reason why is because I feel like language is a way of expression. And Mm. um, you're allowed to use whatever you feel reflects. Like, I I don't take offense in any type of word. So express yourself. Whichever way you feel is best. Um, And I don't know how you guys feel being on the other end of, like, the interview chair. But uh, yeah, how does that feel right now? It's uh, it's refreshing. I'm not going to lie. I mean, Yeah, it's definitely it's, refreshing. It's refreshing because, <laughs> you know, on our end, we, we do a lot of prep. We do a lot of like, I was like, okay, got to get the questions. I got to do this, got to do that. So coming in and just pulling my mic and opening my mm-hmm. camera on and knowing what's coming and knowing Al is here too, just mm-hmm. us together doing it, like having another person ask us is definitely refreshing and like we don't feel the stress like oh we've never met this person before now we gotta do this podcast i don't know how it's gonna go are they gonna mm-hmm. like it ah, so much stressing because you, you plan to do a podcast with someone and you never know how it's gonna go especially when you've mm-hmm. never met the person mm-hmm. yeah it, it feels like someone else is just driving like when you get in the car you gotta plan all right I'm going to want to go on the road. I'm about to like be pushing like the gas pedal X times oh, as I'm traveling X far. So I got to like think about everything. How much traffic is it going to be? You know, like <laughs> you got to think about all that stuff when you're driving. When you're not driving, it's like, all right, let me go on my phone. Let me mm-hmm. chill, lay back. What music am I playing? You know, it's yeah. way much of a chiller experience, you know? Yeah, so It's like hopping in an Uber, you know, you just. Oh my gosh. And, yeah, exactly. Let's <laughs> like just so, drive it home. That's so exactly. funny. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy to talk therapy. Um, Amazing. Yeah, man. There's not too many oh, guys out here talking about it. So besides yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte the God. <laughs> yeah, Charlotte. You know what? Yeah, word. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Um, that's so spot on. Charlemagne, a big reason why um I I talk about him so much is because he's probably one of the only men, specifically men of color, who do speak about mental health um mm. and mental health issues. And that kind of just brings on the topic that we're gonna be talking about today is um, I kind of said this to Owen and Alex when they first reached out. Um, 
you guys probably had this, but when you started thinking, brainstorming about the platform and the specific topic or niche you wanted to explore, you kind of had different um, episode ideas. And my, I want to say like top three, top five episode ideas before anything came to life, like this is year, like a year before I even like thought of recording it was I wanted to do black men and mental health mm-hmm. because I had seen it affect so many of my peers. I'd seen it affect people in my family. So I just wanted to thank you for, you know, not necessarily representing, cause I think that's a big, um, responsibility, but for sharing your being vulnerable and sharing your own independent experiences. So mm-hmm. I think, um, I'm really grateful cause I've yet to see, um, a larger number. I think there's still a lot of work that could be done, but just starting this hopefully has that domino effect. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. Um, no problem. I'm so excited. Um, so like I said, we're going to do black men and mental health. And I was doing a bit of research because I usually, obviously I'm not a man, <laughs> you know, it's hard for me to speak for them, but I know being in the mental health field, uh, predominantly it is women that seek therapy. Um, it's a lot of the time women are the ones who are identified as the ones who have mental health issues, mm-hmm. but statistically, um, men are more prone to commit suicide. I think it's 75% of men tend to commit suicide over women. Um, and I can say that from my own experiences working at a clinic, all our suicide cases were men. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, um, Black men are even more at risk because of the additional pressures from being a man and the cultural pressures of what a Black man embodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that construct, as empowering as it can be, of this figure of strength, this figure of composure, this figure of um, dominance, it can also be internally, internally very destructive in a sense, um, because it holds so much pressure and you aren't allowed to really deal with your day-to-day struggles and healing and even generational traumas. Because if you think about um, what a Black man represents and his lineage, like their ancestors have ties to a lot of trauma whether it be natives, whether it be African-Americans, African-Canadians, a lot of that is tied to trauma. So that is generational, it is passed down, and a lot of that hasn't been dealt with. So my first question to you guys is, um, growing up, what was your relationship or your understanding when it came to mental health, like just as a general topic? Um, For me, it was non-existent at all yeah um there was no such thing as mental health growing up it was just are you healthy do you eat well you know Mm -hmm. i think physical wellness is as close as it came to mental wellness wellness growing up um Mm -hmm. or maybe church maximum Mm -hmm. um but there was no real correlation between how your mind is doing ever Mm -hmm. um yeah that's all i think about it like that yeah for sure how about you i think for me um same thing with you non-existent at all you know I came from Kenya so I lived in Nairobi from since I was born until I was around like nine or ten when I moved to Toronto up in North York and it wasn't in Kenya Nairobi I mean I was so young but I I never saw anybody or like mental health become like a topic like I mean I was old enough to know what if mental health was mentioned to know what it's about but it was never mentioned 
So I came to Canada and this topic started like coming on about, and you know, my mom and I and my dad were all really close. So my mom, she's like very tough. Like she came, she's like, she came from the ghettos of like Kenya and like, she'd like worked her ass off to really become somebody. And I asked her, I'm like, you know, what's this whole mental health thing that they're really talking about? And, you know, like in our family, and I think in, in, in black people, they feel like as if mental health is like a white people thing, you know, um, it never really seemed as if like it affected black people. So when I started like learning more and more about it, I started becoming less naive about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what, like this actually is something that affects everybody. But my whole mental frame and thinking was it's a white person thing. There's no way that you can have a mental health thing. Mm-hmm. So my sister, actually, my youngest sister, um, me being her older brother, I'd always noticed like she was down and like she'd like not have mood swings and everything like that. And I used to try and talk to her. I'm like, yo, sis, what's up? Like, what's up? She's like, oh, I'm just not feeling good. And me being naturally like a positive person, I would try and tell her like, you know what, just brush it off. It's okay. It's okay. Like I wasn't, I was sympathetic, but I didn't really understand what was going on. So understanding like, and feeling as if like it was like a white people thing, that was like my, and you know, it sounds crazy when I say that, like it's a white person thing, but that was how my uncles, my my dad and my brothers, that's how we saw Mm-hmm. mental health and most not like not just mental health but like this whole depression thing because you have mm-hmm. to think about it like um i wouldn't even say mental health i'll just use the word depression because i don't really want to cast a whole light on like mental health but it was mm-hmm. more of like depression it was more of like you know how can you live in this country like so you have to think about us we're coming from africa to canada and you're saying how are you depressed you right you live in like one of the best places in the world you have a government that takes care of you. You have food on your table. You have a home. What could you really be depressed about? That, that's how, like, we're seeing it. Like, you know, like, you're so blessed. Why are you depressed? And we're thinking, if you go back home, you will see what depression is like. But those people still are, like, struggling to really make it through. But then I started realizing, like, a lot of people have a lot of things going on here, which make them the way they feel. So that was more of, like, my introduction to the whole mental health aspect. Uh, coming up yeah one thing i didn't mention um i actually didn't realize it until um later on in life but um anger management is one another thing that i think mm. gets brought up um, for mental health for um, me specifically my experience um as a kid i was always getting into fights i got into a lot of fights um and i actually had a knife one time and instead of suspending me um i got in school suspended and um got sent to like speak to a pastor i went to a private school and, mm-hmm. and like amazing like and any in a public school if i hadn't like done that i would have gotten like expelled charged mm-hmm. and like had my life like you know gone somewhere completely different so mm-hmm. um yeah i spoke to like a, a pastor for like i think like one time a week i didn't really understand that that's what was going on i was just like all right you, they think i'm angry so i gotta talk to this guy and um, he would just kind of be like, all right, so how's your grades? You doing all right? All right, cool. Like, it wasn't nothing, like, <laughs> actually uh, in, ter- in terms of, like, uh, digging deep on anything and actually, like, uh, doing type of work to try and, like, fix, or not fix, but do work, you know, um, mm-hmm. um, in your life and try and, like, get become a better person, you know? Um, 
Yeah, so that was like my initial, initial um, foray into mental health. But I didn't even realize that because it was so guys as just, hey, you're just talking to this person. I think that's what they were aiming for, but um, never really got to explore it really. So, yeah. Damn. That's so, it's so interesting, both of your stories, because I can identify to some of it, of course, but not all of it. Um, For instance, the whole concept of like Africa, like Africans, like my dad, literally when I was going through my depression, word for word said the same thing. He's like, Mm -hmm. you're you're not white, like stop acting like this. Like that's a white person, like disease, like, um, you know, you're so ungrateful. Like he took it as depression equals um, just ungratefulness. You know, he's like, I went through all these things and your life is like, I've done so much, sacrificed so much for you to be depressed. Like, I don't understand, like this doesn't add up. Um, So he saw it as like, like I was ungrateful in my circumstances and then the concept of um kids being angry I remember going to school and there was a whole separate class for kids who had anger management issues and growing up like that's kind of what we were told it's just like these are the bad kids Mm -hmm. but yeah which is really messed up because now looking back because I worked with kids for about five years before I went to the mental health field a lot of those kids that are angry, kids aren't born angry. Like kids are born very pure, level-headed. Yeah, It's it's just their way of dealing with what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. So I think one separating them almost amplifies it because now you're isolating them and telling them you are different. Something is wrong with you. And they already know something is wrong because obviously they're acting out. Um, and it's kind of reinforcing it in a way and I don't know what they in terms of like if they gave them therapy or if they actually dealt with the problem but yeah I just remember having a group of kids like they were the bad like they had to have like a worker with them at all times because they had anger management issues which is so interesting yeah yeah I I think there was something like a a coolness or like a weird like Mm -hmm. don't mess with him. Like, almost like a boxer, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't mess he's with angry. him. He's angry. He's angry. He'll snap at you. He'll snap. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's some kind of, like, cachet or something to it, you know? Yo, Al, what, what, what made you angry? Like, what was your thing? Mm. What made me angry? All right, so um, in grade six to seven, I had gone from um, a regular board, a regular public school. And, mm-hmm. um, like, I, was, I grew up in Malvern. Then um, moved to a um, private school like across town, and that's to take like a crazy long bus, like a two-hour bus from just taking like a regular um, bus, and like getting having to like carpool and have like a whole like you know mission just to get to school every morning, um, and just ditching my friends and like that like, that whole like you know like the disruptive um, situation, and um, I think I also got fresh pins. Prince, sorry, uh, Fresh Prince. You know the episode of Fresh Prince where his, his pops comes and shit? I got that mm. whole treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was kind of, it was crazy, like, verbatim for um, what happened. Um, and 
Yeah, I think it was a combination of those. I'm just like overall like school as well, right? So like kids bullying and like this being the new kid on the block and shit. So mm-hmm. I was just like, like y'all ain't gonna punk me. Like, so I was, yeah, I was just a, a angry kid or just like defensive, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. think it's a combination of all of those things happening yeah. at once. That makes sense. Um, yeah. A lot of the time we don't realize, but as kids, we're just developing ways to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just your survival instinct. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. no one taught you how to deal with these emotions. No one allowed you to even speak on them because mm-hmm. like we were talking about, it was seen as a Western issue, a, a thing of being, of not being grateful. So I think you were just doing what you felt like you could do at the time you knew best. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's hard when you don't know anything else. Yeah, most definitely, you know. Um, I think a lot of times, too, like, our, a lot of parents don't give their kids the opportunity to really feel. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a Jamaican household. Like, it's really just, like, you need to be in the corner, like, sit down and, and shut up type shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't really get a chance to kind of ex- ex- express yourself. So if it wasn't, like, I guess, like, doing a sport for me, then it was just, like, on the on the court. So it was only, I was the only option that had to express myself. So I started getting angry then, then that was kind of like where I had to express it. So that was what was happening. You know, we're also on the ball court type shit. And um, yeah, that's what I started to just, I guess, be angry and shit. And uh, yeah, that's when I started to get in fights and mm-hmm. get moved around. So yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's, I feel like a lot of people can identify to that, but mm-hmm. especially men. And I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um just the whole concept of what men are taught when it comes to emotion and their relationship when it comes to emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only speak on what I've seen, but you guys can probably elaborate a little bit more. Um, when it comes to emotions, even just being a, a woman in an immigrant family, I was taught that emotions were seen as weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, cr- like the worst thing you could do in life is be weak because it's survival of the fittest. Um, and I also think that mindset comes from being a minority. You're constantly trying to survive and be, um, and you're constantly trying to be on the defense because you always feel attacked. Um, so I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be a man on top of that. And then even more a black man. So I want to know kind of, if you could talk about your relationships with what emotions had to do or like how you were, how your relationship with emotions or even expressing emotions was like in your household or how you internalized it as a man. Uh, yo, like growing up, there's so many moments like I wanted to cry, but I couldn't. Because mm-hmm. there'll be like a look like my dad gave me. It's like my dad was so, even if I was like very, very like annoyed, he'll never be like, son, it's okay, like whatever, right? He'll just be like, yo, just suck it up. Even my mom, like I remember I was really into basketball growing up and I loved this game so much that one time I had a really bad game and, you know, it was like a packed gym. And I think it was crunch time. And I think I airballed like a deep three. And I remember like I came home, my sisters, my mom were at the game. My dad was another game because I think he was working in another city so he couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. So I remember coming home and I felt like I'm the reason we lost this match. Like I'm the reason like I could have, I should have been a better performer that night. And I remember I'm in the car and I'm just holding back tears. I'm like, 
my mom's driving. I'm not saying anything. And I just feel this pent up, just there's like this weight on my chest and I'm trying to like let it up, but I couldn't. And I'm just waiting till we get in the house so I can just close my door and, uh, and cry. So I get in my room and my sister comes and like tries to get me. She's just like, hey, Owen, like mom just made some food. Let's go eat. So I'm like, shit, I wanted to cry. And now my sister just showed up. So I'm like, God damn it. So she walks in and my sister's very intuitive. My, my youngest, my sister, Diana, like she's like three years younger than me. She's like, oh, like, what's up, bro? Like, why are you looking? Like, why is that face on your thing? And I just burst it out. I couldn't like help it. I, I was actually crying like a kid. And mm, to her surprise, it yeah, it got to me. Mm-hmm. And it, even to my sister is because she sees as a black man and my brother, like you're older, why are you crying? You should be my protector. And she goes upstairs. He's like, why? It's like, where's my mom's like, where's Owen? Like food's getting cold. Oh, he's, he's downstairs crying. And I hear my mom, because my, my room's in the basement. I had like my basement to myself. He's like, why is he crying? Huh? Why is he crying? Right? She comes to the, to the railing, knocks down the stairs, like, Owen, get up here right now. So I come up, I'm there crying. I'm in tears. This is like around grade 10. He's like, mm-hmm. why are you crying? Just, just suck it up. You don't need to cry. It's just basketball. So I'm like, you don't get it, right? Mm-hmm. And just seeing there, like my two sisters and my mom, and me not even being able to like really express myself and like, because I'm supposed to be a man, I'm supposed to be like stoic. My dad's out the house. I'm supposed to be the man of the house. I'm like next man up in charge. So that, that was like a turning point for me because now whenever I feel something, even till this day, I can't really come clean and say something, how I feel about something, because I feel like it's going to ruin the image of you're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be like, you know, how are you going to be the man in charge if you're crying around women, right? Mm-hmm. And crying is one thing, but I even just went down to like other little things such as telling them how I feel, like maybe I'm not really feeling successful at one thing. Right. I can't really open up. So it kind of like scarred me in a way. And um, yeah, it just really helped me back from opening up and really showing my emotions just because I think in in our culture, it's like you have the masculine of the feminine. And even if you are masculine, you should be the masculine at all times. It's like those emotions don't exist for you. Those are women. But like there are emotions for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's crazy how mm-hmm. that happened to me. Wow. Um, I think, wow, that is very much relatable to a lot of men, I can say for a fact, but also being the woman on the other Mm -hmm. side of that. um, I've only seen my dad cry maybe twice. um, And one of the times was when his father passed away. And the other Mm -hmm. time was when um, his father was really sick. So very like to me, it's like made sense. But like, it makes sense now because I'm emotionally mature. But at the time, seeing my father cry made me uncomfortable almost. Like it was like, like, I know you, I know you're crying and I understand why you're crying, but I don't like it. Like, why don't I like it? Like you're uh, like, you're a human being. These are very natural emotions, but I was taught that he was this embodiment of strength, you know, this embodiment of 
you said like stoic, very composed, no matter what. And I mm-hmm. saw crying as as a negative thing it's and that weakness. as a weakness and that was and it's it's ironic because he's the one who taught me that um I always say that I was like the boy in my family because I was the eldest so I was mm-hmm. his son mm-hmm. um so when I would cry he would tell me um what's the worst thing you can be in life and I would literally be crying and I would tell him a loser like this is what he had taught me and as I'm crying he's like and what are you doing right now while you're crying Um, And I'm like, I'm being a loser. Like I would have to repeat that Uh, to him. And that's so powerful. Like I can't, Mm. so that always stuck with me. And I can't even imagine if I was a boy, like how much more of that he, like I would have gotten, but as being a girl, like that was the message I got when it come, when it came to crying and emotions, like Mm -hmm. you are a loser, you are a failure if you show your emotions. And this is showing my emotions in the privacy of my own home, let alone mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. So seeing him upset, it was like this, like I was like malcomputing. I was like, so what, what does this mean? Like, obviously with therapy, like I understand where this is all coming from, but mm-hmm. um, it was very confusing. So I, I totally get that story from the woman's perspective, but I can also sympathize because it's so hard. You're a human. Like the fact that you can even hold back tears. Like I don't even know how to hold back tears anymore. Like it's so hard. Like that's already hard. Yeah. Even these days I find it so hard to cry and it's like conditioned just like, Mm. it's so, that's why even like with Alex, sometimes I'm like, you know, when he opens up about his things, I'm like, I've conditioned myself just to stay positive over a lot Mm. of things. But sometimes I just want to break down, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I like sometimes like I just want to cry and just let it all out and just feel c- clean. I feel like mm. I'm not clean sometimes because sometimes mm. you can just have a lot of emotions built up and, mm-hmm. you know, you just want to have a cry by yourself, maybe. Yeah. But at mm-hmm. least you want to have like one of your bros or your boys and you can comfortably mm-hmm. do that in front of them and them not yeah. judge you. That's something I still have to get over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. You're not taught that. No one's like, I don't know any guy that's taught that to be able to like, cry in front of your boys. That's a tough one. Oh, Sometimes man. you're going to get clowned. That's yeah, the fear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Growing up, um, like that type of emotion was like portrayed as almost like homosexual, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and being Jamaican, like, that's like the furthest thing you want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how. It was portrayed for me it was like it was just bottle everything was just bottling you know mm-hmm. um, it's kind of where you're taught to do it and let it out and then anger is like the, the two real emotions that we we're kind of taught you know um so that was my predominant experience you know so like i ended up going to therapy so mm-hmm. yeah. no that makes sense it kind of goes to what owen was saying um how emotions are kind of tied to genders you know and how we express mm-hmm. it so being angry and lashing out in violence is the more masculine approach to mm. your emotional release where crying is attached to um, a feminine expression of emotions mm. when really and truly no, they, they don't really have a gendered um, like purpose. It's just as humans, we've given that social construct to them. Um, and 
to an extent, violence and aggression can actually do more harm to yourself um, and to others. It's an, it could be a negative coping mechanism. Just like crying to anything to an extent could be too much. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. And I think culturally as well, like coming, this is, I'm only speaking from my dad's side of the family. I'm not too sure what it was like growing up for my mom and being French, but I know that um, homosexuality was also a big thing when it came to emotions, like, and the same thing, like homosexuality was like the, like the opposite of masculinity. It wasn't even being female. It was like homosexuality was the extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can agree to that. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy world, man. Um, it's definitely another yeah. thing too is that you're not really taught to like um, deal with the emotion in terms of like the sitting in it, you know. And that's really important, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just being able to be like, all right, I feel angry right now. I feel mm-hmm. um, like for me, like I came, came to a point where I wasn't like feeling much of anything. Like I wouldn't be able to get mm-hmm. angry or sad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where um, I'd just be like in a permanent state of just like chill, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's because like you feel like um, as a black man, you can't like get too emotionally wrapped up in anything because it's going to hinder you your entire life. If you're to get mad at every time you see a name trending on Twitter, like you'd be mad a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah. So, um, you eventually start like sh- training yourself. You know, and that's not, and not even just a name on Twitter, but like, like microaggressions. You know, like seeing like a lady put that person the opposite side of herself, mm-hmm. or not sit beside you just because you're, you're black, or or walk away in the next sidewalk because yeah. like, she doesn't want to feel like she's you're behind her. Exactly, and like uh-huh. getting mad at that. Like, how are you supposed to really get mad at that? Like, um, and be able to like get mad and deal with that emotion and just continue with your day. Like you have to like, like kind of just like throw it, throw that feeling away. And, but that ends up piling up, you know? Yeah, man. Even just so. like seeing all these guys getting killed by the cops. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it's not even funny, but it's just like seeing Ahmad Aubrey's name trend on Twitter. I was sad, but I didn't even feel a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, It's like, I felt something, but it just became it's like another pile of oh here's another one yeah right and it's like it's like a pile next to me that just comes okay put that there like what am i gonna do with all this pile of like it's like and you just leave it there right you can't really think about it because you feel as if now it's just the way of life like we we are here we're working so hard to become successful to really get away from that image of being like a a thug or or whatever but even still, like we're still mm. perceived as like a threat. Like you can go jogging and still be killed. And then a white guy saw that a white guy did the same thing. He had a TV uh, in his affluent neighborhood. He's just jogging and neighbors, he did like an experiment and neighbors still waving at him. Like people are still like, Hey, like, how's it going? Whatever. And he has like a TV and like, he's jogging like with a t-shirt and sweats and everything. You think that's a robber, but imagine you and I did that. Right. Like Mm. people will be like, I think someone stole someone's TV. Mm. Right. So even like we could be like the top of the world successful and everything. It just feels as if like we can never really get that. It's like that feeling of like mental freedom from all these like things that we see on TV. So, so we just like, we become numb to it essentially. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the desensitization mm-hmm. to it, you've numbed it out. Um, and I think it also comes to the same thing that you guys were saying, like, because you haven't practiced that muscle of expressing your emotions and really stepping into your emotions, now that you're adult, like men, it's so hard to reconnect to them. And that, well, it's so possible, but it is a process. I know at one point, Um, I had taught myself that emotions were negative and I could no longer connect with them. And it took therapy and like spiritual, like energy work and all this to reconnect to my body, my emotions Mm -hmm. and everything. But it's very possible, but it's like a muscle. It's like going to the gym. You kind of have to practice it because you've practiced that whole other muscle so much more. Um, But the desensitization, what you said is so powerful. And I think a lot of black men can identify to it. Um, I think people in general can identify to it, which is so sad because it's this like, this reoccurring narrative of the same thing. Um, and every time it's sad, but it's like, why is nothing happening? So it's almost like, I just have to keep accepting it. And I can't think about it too much because if I think about it, then mm-hmm. everything just crumbles. Mm-hmm. It'll distract you from being productive in your real life. So And that too, yeah. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Wow, that's some heavy stuff. Um, So I do want to know if there's a common misconception you feel that others have when it comes to Black men and their mental health. I know we talked a little bit about how um, you were taught as Black men to deal with mental health and emotions, but do you think there's a misconception the rest of the world has? Mm. Misconception that men, uh, people have on black men and mental health. Mm-hmm. Well, currently, I think that is changing. You know, I think a lot of people are starting to get into therapy, you know, and are like, practicing ways of um, their own form of mental health. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, it is changing um, slowly but steadily. So I think that's a misconception. Most mm-hmm. of, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's very true. I've, I've, definitely had a lot of conversations separately and I don't know if they've been open about it with a lot of my friends who are black men and they are very more they are very open to the idea of healing of going to therapy and all that um one misconception that I've noticed or that I was at fault for was growing up I didn't understand why a lot of my friends decided to go um Well, I grew up in the inner city and a lot of my friends decided to go the other route. I went to the university and a lot of them decided to get involved in um, very violent activities, um, drugs, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really understand it. But now looking back, I'm like, they literally all had PTSD and were going through so much. And that was just their coping mechanism. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, these we were kids like these kids aren't just angry like we said they're not just angry to be angry they literally had to experience things that a lot of kids shouldn't have experienced or seen so Mm -hmm. now they're just a product of that environment unfortunately and they're just trying to cope and deal with it the best that they can under these tight circumstances that they're told that they can deal with it Mm -hmm. so whether it be substance use or violence or aggression that's really all you're giving them it's so much harder. So that I think that's a common misconception I used to have. I didn't understand why they were doing that. And now, because I've educated myself a little bit more, I'm like, no, they're just hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing as Alex with um, 
I think people think mental health and involving us in those conversations, like there's no room for us. It's as if like, you know, you guys don't go through this. Uh, this is something that is uh, mm-hmm. not for black men. Until mm-hmm. my friend Lauren, she started like this thing called Space Parties, where mm-hmm. it's a place where, yeah, I should actually connect both of you because I think you guys will really hit it off since you guys mm-hmm. share the same view on things. So she started this event called Space Parties. It's like on uh, John and Richmond. Okay. You, know where, you know where Ricardas is? Ricardas, Ricardas. I know where John and Richmond is, but I'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, it's like Little Nikki's Coffee, the Gap around the corner. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. I know. Yeah, exactly so you just walk down that sidewalk, and Ricardas mm-hmm. is there. So she had like this event, like where you can just come, be free, talk about your emotions, talk about. It's like an open place, and just like mm-hmm. no judging or anything. So she actually had a friend who was a black man who came to that. I was like, why isn't there something like this for black men? Right. And he felt like as if this is something that, you know, black men don't really think about, like, but mm. even though we want it, but I think it's making the leap to make it happen. Mm. And um, he's making the leap to make it happen, mm. to provide a mm. safe space like where we can actually come and just talk. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to have like a, like a mental health thing, but it's just like a thing to come and just decompress and just talk and, built together as a community essentially yeah i think the challenge there is that there's not really like a culture around that like there's no culture bro the yeah. max thing like, <laughs> like guys can really like come together and talk is like probably when like we're getting like, a, like a cut like a haircut mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the barbershop yeah barbershop or like at a bar i'm trying to think mm. maybe like or playing video games like probably the only three ways you know what i'm saying there isn't really like a good um, zone for actually talk, like chopping it up in a real way and have a good conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, can I come over to your house and talk about like my childhood? <laughs> or you're playing ball and you're putting up shots and you're like, yo, by the way, bro, this is what happened. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It it's feels like there always has to be like a buffer, an activity yeah, that yeah, allows yeah. you to really feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I can never come like, yo, Al, you know what? I want to talk about this with you. Yeah, Just because I feel like as the next guy, you feel as if I'm putting a lot of pressure on you. Mm-hmm. But if you have a distraction in the middle, it allows like for thoughts to start thinking, is okay, can I share this with him? Am I comfortable mm-hmm. enough? But coming face to face and looking, I think as guys as well, when we come face to face with each other, it's very confrontational, right? Mm-hmm. So with women, it's like you can come face to face with them because they want to see your hands, right? Which means I'm not going to harm you because as men, we're going to, we always think, women think, like biologically, they mm. want to see your hands, right? They want to see, hey, this man's in front of me. He, I'm in danger. I got to mm. see where his arms are. So like um. with uh, with men, we can never really face eye to eye. Even if you're cool as boys, it's like if I'm standing in front of you, it seems like we're about to beef. Wow. So they always say like with the body language, it's like if you're talking to another man, stand like a 45 degree angle towards him. So it seems as if like there's a comfort barrier right there, right? Mm. So yeah. Mm. Interesting. You know, so that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's, that's what I meant to say. Oh, just... one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, we're talking about um, like pathways and how you can, a lot of your friends might have chose to go down a bad path. Mm-hmm. I, um, I got to a new school. I noticed that I was trying to fall into a new a bad path, and like after a while, like like looking back, I was like, why was that happening? Um, a lot of times, you know, um, the worst crowds can be the most accepting. Mm-hmm. Like when you're um 
on the path of doing good, you know, and you know that, you know, you're in high school, you're like, yo, I'm about to go to uni, I'm about to go to um, yeah. Western and make a life for myself, you know? Um, I can't be here messing with like X, Y, and Z because X, Y, and Z isn't going to be putting me on that path. So um, a lot of times people will shun you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but whereas other people mm-hmm. that don't have that type of guidance or that self like, like that self-awareness of this is where I'm going can be a lot more accepting because they don't know where they're going mm-hmm. or, or don't have that, um, that uh, self-esteem to know, hey, I'm going somewhere. So they can all just get together and just do whatever because um, there's like a, a group of people who don't know, right? So, yeah. So no, just... that's, no, that's really important. I think, um, and it's insightful too because now you're giving, it's a misconception, just like I can never experience it or see it because I went through my experiences. I think it's so important to hear it from your point of view Um because even now to this day, when I talk to my boys, specifically my best friend, our stories are so different, but they also mirror each other because we both went through trauma, but we dealt with it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I hear him talk about it, it's just like, yo, bro, I didn't know you were literally going through this. You know, mm-hmm. like it makes my heart so sad because it's like if I had known, I don't know, like not that I could have changed anything, but it's like at least he wouldn't have been alone, you know, he, mm. and then like, like that makes me sad. Like, at least like, if you're going to do that, like, know there's someone there that loves you and cares about you. You're not alone. And I think that that's the part that I'm still trying to understand, but I think it's also kind of like that conditioning and like, you're not supposed to show anyone emotion and stuff. Um, oh, and you said something about, I'm not sure his name, but someone willing to open up a space for men to come and talk. And I think that's super important. Um, I used to hold sessions for men and women to come together. Mm -hmm. It was called history versus her story. Um, And it was for men and women to come and talk about different issues and stuff. And the reason I started that was because I found that a lot of wellness or healing spaces were directed towards women. And I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love that it's like, become a forefront in the wellness community but like you said there is such a lack when it comes to men specifically um black men in terms of representation and even spaces so i yeah i wanted to know what you think as a community you would want and what we could do to better that or to improve on that um i think honestly this is gonna sound like it's gonna take a long time but i think it's upon men like us in our age, like Alex and I, like in our mid twenties, like, you know, we're going to have families in the next, I don't know, let's say 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I think it starts like with us, right. With us knowing this, I think even if you go back, I think we're still conditioned to feel the same way. Like I can come here and chat with you about this, but I still know like the way I'm conditioned over my upbringing, Mm -hmm. I'm still going to have these things, even though I'm aware of what I'm doing is wrong. But like my, my default reaction to these things Mm -hmm. is like the way I am. So I think it's like upon someone like me, you know, when I get married and have children and I have a son, let's say I can come and like actually create an open space for him to be like, Hey, you know what, this is how you're feeling. Like, all right, let's do it. Like this is actually being inviting to him and saying, it's okay if you feel like that. Talk to me more. Why are you feeling like that? How did that feeling come come about? And I think as he grows up as a man, he's going to be feeling as if this is the norm for me to like 
talk to other guys about this because you know what I spoke about it with my dad so now you have like these kids growing up and I think it's like a culture change that's going to happen like in years but I think even though we are aware of this I think it's going to take like a a lot of like behavior like natural behavior it's like how can you change that that's been ingrained in you for the past your whole life right it's hard and generations too and generations and knowing what's happened with your community and mm-hmm. um so i think it starts from like that but other than that i think the things we can do right now it's like you know not really using i mean we can still use barbershops bars and everything that these discussions but changing our behavior and understanding that it's okay to have to go towards like a a place like for people like us to talk about these things it's like the you know removing that stigma like oh i'm going to a mental health talk right mm-hmm. you tell if you tell other people who are not really aware of this they'll be like bro like why are you going to that like i never know you went through these i'm like yeah i might not have like a mental health but like it's good to still talk about these things and still be comfortable with it so mm-hmm. i think my number one thing is starting like when you have your own kids, start talking to this, talking to uh, talking to them about it, and and as well just slowly start changing that culture towards mm. like, hey, it's okay to go to these type of things and connect with other men who you can have like a similar problem as you. I think checking in is um, a big thing that a lot of guys don't do. You know, a lot of times we have face value conversations. You know, I'm like, yo, how? Yo, you know, how are you? How are you good? And it's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm blessed. Okay. And then just keep moving, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of surface level conversation that happens between men um, that you don't really dig deep into their actual lives because we're taught to mask, you know? So, like, actually asking questions that force um, another guy to just, like, actually respond, you know? Like, yo, I, go, I used to hit up my boys and be like, how's your mental health? You know what I'm saying? Like, kind of like put them on that so they, they can't even like pivot. It's like, you kind of say, I'm good. You can't really Bro, just say, I'm just good. And I got to give you that, man. Honestly, like, you started doing that with me. And I remember I got a text from you like last year. And you, I was just chilling. I was like, I was like, yo, bro, how's your health? How's your mental health? And I was, I was shocked. I was shocked that you had the mm-hmm. balls to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And even these days, man, you like hit me up like, yo, man, you good? And I know you're not asking me, like, I'm good, good. Like, I know you're asking me, like, are you good? You know? And I got to appreciate that, bro. I appreciate that, man. Like, no problem. That, that actually does help a lot because it tells me you care, you know? Mm. Yeah, most of. Most of. So, like, yeah, I think that is, like, um, no problem, man. Um, and yeah, I think that is, like, a big key, you know? Kind of getting that into, like, your mental, like, what's the word, like, a lexicon or, like, your, like, mm-hmm. habit, like, your grammar, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, getting things like that. So, like, you're naturally thinking about it. Like, Charlemagne has, like, that black men don't cheat catchphrase which is hilarious right but like that actually make a difference so there's gonna be a guy out there who's gonna be like a girl come and talk to me hey how you doing and gonna think black men don't cheat, men don't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying and, you know what i'm saying and it's gonna and it's gonna have i guarantee you there's at least one one guy out there who that's happened to you know what I'm saying? Black men don't so, cheat. So, so, so having that like at the top of top of mind of just asking that can make a strong difference. As funny as that is, like the like, your thoughts. Oh, I hate that. I'm like pulling this nigga. Your thoughts become things, though. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you keep um like asking that, like, keeping the top of mind, like you can become a lot more self aware. You know, mm-hmm. and then that spreads down because I think what Owen was saying when it comes to his kids was giving him the space to talk. You know. 
So just giving like your boys um that space to talk, I think, is very key. You know, a lot of times we're like, all right, yo, how you doing? You good? Then be like, nah, all right, bless. <laughs> you know, that's legit happen. Legit, that, yeah. That's legit happen. Like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Um, you do a little hezzy, man. Yeah, a little hezzy. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fact. A lot of guys do that because you just talk to like, that's just normal conversation. Are like, right, you mm-hmm. good? Not actually care about what the person's actual response is, you know? So, um, like actually asking the question and not just in casual conversation, like asking, asking how are you? You know, um, I think it's a solid start. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Um, asking like how they take care of themselves. I think it's a good one too. Cause that's one thing I struggle with is um, finding like hobbies and shit. Cause like I'm so focused with running um, the pod, um, running my agency and having a full time nine to five. Like it's, it's a, it's a lot of life and a woman, right? So it's a lot of life. You know, so like having time to actually, to actually like balance myself, you know, especially now with no no barbershop, no uh, um, gym, no gym, workout in, no oh, bag, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, man. You got to figure out like how are we going to like take care of yourself, you know? So mm. like try to like ask yourself that and ask the people around you, like how are they, how are they doing it, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of... Um, ways guys can um use you know and if you don't have a guy around you then youtube you know i've learned a lot off youtube that's been super key you know from doing things like this like taking care of yourself um to like how to like go no fap and shit like that like you know <laughs> you know Mass, you know what no fap is what's no fap no fap is no jerking off no jerking off oh <laughs> 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 no porn no, no porn, none of that right? okay yeah, yeah yeah so um this like shit like that i think is um like it's like a good way to kind of get the ball moving forward did i, did I answer your question yeah yeah you definitely did um i think you guys said a lot i'm just trying to pro- I, I did that thing where i'm forgetting that we're doing a podcast and i'm just yeah, listening you're just enjoying i'm just enjoying the combo yeah. um but really and truly you guys touched on a lot of things that i think are important in terms mm-hmm. of just mental health in general um oh and you said something at the beginning or near the end of what you were saying in terms of like when people they hear the stigma oh i'm going to this mental health thing um and people automatically think you have something or mm-hmm. you are going through something and my biggest thing is everyone has a form of mental health it's like telling someone hey i'm going to the gym oh are you sick are you fat like no like you have a form of physical health and i think that's my ultimate goal is to show people like everyone has a form of mental health not everyone has a mental health disorder um but we all have a form of mental health and just like we should all take care of our bodies we should take care of our mind as well and our emotional health as well um and it's that stigma that tends to hurt us just as much as everything else um or at least hold us back from taking those first steps acknowledgement and being self-aware is the first step and i think you both said that and it's so important i think that's a lot bigger than maybe the generation before us like i know for a fact my dad will literally till this day be like no i'm great i'm perfect you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's just like his coping mechanism mm-hmm. yeah, same, same thing with my dad too bass yeah like, he's like know. no i'm strong i'm good you know mm-hmm. and i think it's just like the way they've learned and they've coped though we're still at that age where we can reprogram a lot of ourselves like a lot of it is programming and just being self-aware and understanding that um sometimes things and belief systems we have no longer serve us and that's okay and there's 
work that we can do. And eventually that work will help us. And if it doesn't fully help us, it can help our children. Um, and that's been my goal. Like if I can't become a hundred percent, then I can create those new habits for my kids. And that's really important. Um, in terms of spaces and communities, I think it, I always make this joke with my friends, but men tend to have longer friendships because it's so superficial compared to women. <laughs> like they tend to last longer because y'all don't really talk about deep shit. shit. You know what I mean? You don't disclose emotion. So it's like, what are you going to fight about? You know what I mean? Like, 2k like I don't really know Mm -hmm. uh but like women will talk about emotions and stuff I don't even know how it comes up it's just part of the dialogue um but not but how we deal with it is part of our emotional maturity but the talking about it part we have down pat this is how we deal with it um I think it doesn't need to be all your boys that you have to talk about too. I think it's just creating that, you know, just finding that one, two person or even confining in like a parent or, you know, a friend doesn't have to be a male. It could be a female. It's just finding that support system that hears you out. Um, like I said, at the beginning of the pod, uh, I was in a space where I literally just didn't talk to anybody. And I was so in my head that my friends and the people that I connected with were people on a podcast. And if that's, the first start like for you to feel like okay like I hear my voice in this person then that's that's your beginning step like it doesn't have to be full-on like let me go to therapy I think that's a process um journaling I always say a creative outlet I think is always really helpful for people who don't necessarily know how to articulate how they feel um I struggled with that too because growing up you shut up and you don't voice how you feel I don't I even in my relationships today, it's something I struggle with because I wasn't allowed to practice that. So how am I going to practice how I feel or share how I feel if I never did growing up? I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So now I have to consciously think about it and like tell people, like, be patient with me. I'm still learning how to do this. I know I'm 26 years old, but this is so new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if people know that, then it'll people are so willing to be patient with you because they know themselves they're not perfect. Um, And if they care about you, they will listen. Um, So I think that's really important, especially as men to know that other men are willing to be there for them. And that's Mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. That's so huge. Kind of what you were saying, Alex, like you checking in on your boys, that is so healing because I can bet you they've probably never had another man ask them, how are you doing? Like that heals so much. Yeah. I can't like, let alone a person, but a man, like that's so powerful. So I think that's a domino effect you've already created, which is amazing. Yeah, most definitely. It starts with us, man. Thank Mm -hmm. you. By the way, that's a big compliment. I appreciate that. I don't want that stuff. But um, yeah, that's... I, I purposely did that. Like I purposely was like, all right, no, no, no one's doing this to me. It's not, it's not a thing that, that stuck with me. It's like, have you ever thought of that? something thought before. It's that, like, mm-hmm. all right, I know for a fact that this, <laughs> if, this, if I know what's happening to me, there's a high chance that it's not happening to them either. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I tried to um, do that. And I, they do it back to me. And um, yeah, that's just like the ecosystem mm-hmm. I'm trying to build, you know? So I love that. I love that. That's like, I always talk about, I'm very much, when I talk about mental health, I've, I'm trying to rebrand myself as not just mental health, but wellness as a whole, because mm-hmm. I like talking about uh, emotional health, physical health, and spiritual health as well. 
it doesn't matter the religion, but in terms of just as spiritual beings, um, we have so much ancestral generational pain by doing stuff like that. We are literally reprogramming our DNA and reshifting these evolutionary things that men have done. Like it's, you know, it's really evolution. Like a man not dealing with his emotions is very much an evolutionary thing. So now we're reprogramming it for our gener- for generations to come. And that's so healing. Like I can't even imagine what that does. So yeah, it's bigger than you think, I think, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it has Absolutely. a long-term effect. Yeah, man. Um, so I do want to get to a couple more questions with you guys. I feel like I could talk about this a lot, but there's just so much to it. Um, I wanted to know what, so you guys talk a lot about the journey to success and what that takes. And I wanted to know what the difference you think, or if there is a difference for a black man versus someone else when it comes to the journey to success and mentally what that might look like. Hmm. Great question. Um, yeah, I think there is a difference. Um, personally, I think I know uh, Tristan Walker actually said this is that there's like a two times um, effect. If you do something good, there's like a two times effect of oh, the black guy did something good, mm. and like it kind of like can like hit harder. And it, but if you fuck up, this the black guy fucked up, and then it's mm. two times worse. You know, so it's like a double sword. You know, um, and I felt that, you know, um, when I bring ideas in um, all the time, it's like, oh, yeah, he, he he's adding in. Then if it's a fuck up, it's, you know, man, should he be on the team? Like, it's, it's did like they, that. Did we trust. hire the right guy? Like, yeah, did I hire the right guy? Oh, my gosh, should here. we call HR? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, so, yeah, I think it's like a 2x factor that kind of um, puts you, like, it's like a consistent, like, um, bounce in between like high and low high and low like um a lot they have to deal with um cold switching is is very mm. prominent um yeah and trying to deal with corporate culture you know um and white people and white adjacent people you know mm. what I'm saying? um in the real world i think is something you really have to maneuver around and then um protecting okay so two things me and Owen actually t- touched on uh, one is um like maneuvering through that whiteness and another one is being conscious of yourself in their whiteness right so like mm. um one is like all right so i'm bringing this idea to the table that's great for instance all right so let's say um it's a it's a mic company right mm. and i want to and the best person on the mic right now is daniel caesar right i know that daniel caesar is a great artist and he's great uh mic professional so, but so i want to bring him to uh, like the meeting, but I know for a fact that because he's a black man, mm-hmm. and I'm a black man, that they're gonna think, oh, this must be a race thing that he's doing, type of thing. So you, you gotta like kind of be able to frame your mind to think, all right, how can I make this not like seem that I'm not being biased, you know? Mm. And um, kind of like doing that in a ton of other wow. ways, you know? So there's that. Um, also, it's like, um, like white comfort. Uh, me only talk about talk about this yeah, before. Al, let me. You know the word. No, 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 no. I think I'll correct you here. You know the thing. Right. It's called white fragility, bro. White fragility. Yes. White fragility. Ooh. Thank you for correcting me on that. Yes. Yeah. White fragility. Yeah. Oh Fra- my God. How you say it? White fragility. It's fragile, fragility. Right? It's like fragile. Yeah. So fragile, fragility. fragility. Yeah. 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 
Uh, you're so Toronto, you said fragility. <laughs> you know people in Toronto that don't say second T's? Do you realize that? Fragility. fragility. Yeah, yeah, Toronto. We say Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. You don't say Toronto. <laughs> Who are you? Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. Toronto. What? Yeah, That's yeah. hilarious. Word, fragility. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Me, only we were talking about it earlier. I don't want um, to give out any specifics about this one, but um, like, how should I word it? Like we were talking um, to this um, person and we didn't want to make her uncomfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even mm-hmm. though we, we're, we, we're the ones on the platform, we're the ones that have like the control, but we know that we are two dominant black males. So we don't want to make this person uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which is like a crazy thought to, to even feel, mm-hmm. you know, that we're imposing on them. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of that type of feeling um like at scale you know so yeah. wow so yeah. constantly just like being aware of the space and the power that you hold every time you walk into a space and having to make yourself smaller almost. exactly oh yeah one thing that was hilarious that I'm, um we were talking about it was just oh, i found funny looking back was that um when i realized i had a deep voice in the world um i was like i was like i think i was like like 15 16 i got like, had like like my first job and i was like working at urban planet and um i was like scaring because i just had grown into my shoulders and i just started hitting the gym so i was like i was a big ass 16 year old you know what i'm saying um working at urban planet around like small white people brown people you know what i'm saying so i'm like hey how you doing like when i come today you know what i'm saying like and they're like uh. so well, i like well. developed a white voice i is what i call it now you know what I'm saying? Where I was like, hi, how you doing? Hi, how are you? Uncle, anything you're looking for today? You got to make them feel comfortable. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, mm-hmm. trying to like make them feel more comfortable <laughs> as I come in. Then like slowly starting to like settle into my deep voice. Like, and it's like, all right, yeah. So that's there and that's there. Wow. You know? So like the shit like that, like that's like an example of what you have to go through mm-hmm. at scale, you know, to, um, I don't know. It's weird because like it's cold switching. Then there's like knowing that, like when in Rome do it as the Romans do and it's like a constant like mental battle of, am I in Rome or am I code switching mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying wow so. yeah 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 I think I gotta say like journey to success it just comes down you know like in Black AF uh, Ken and Burst like everything is like, you've seen Black AF I've only month? seen some of it I haven't finished it yet is yeah, it, is it, it's, it's, it's good, good so far. It's yeah, good. it's good so far. I like, like blackish better, but yeah. Yeah. Kenya Boris is always like, it all comes down to slavery, dude. Like, <laughs> that's. <laughs> Bruh. Like, straight up. So, pretty much, I say it all comes down to slavery, man. Like, mm-hmm. if you think about it, as black men, we had it going so good for us back in the day. And we got that all taken away from us. Which mm-hmm. So like, let's go, let's say back to um, when racial tensions were still there. Like, let's say 1940s, 50s, like 40s around there. Like, like that Martin Luther King era, like Malcolm X, like where there's a lot of racial tension in America. So black people were doing well. And um, we had businesses and everything. All that got burned down by white people. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want us to like be flourishing. Mm-hmm. So now you had black men because as a black man, you're the leader of the family. You're starting again from the bottom. You have everything wiped out. So this like systematically seeped in into like generation after generation. Mm-hmm. So now you have black men who don't have a lot of opportunities um, 
they get placed in like um, neighborhoods and areas where there's not a lot of economic empowerment and you're doing a lot of things like drug dealing, gang banging. Um, cops know this, so you get sent to jail. So you have these young men growing up without fathers and it just, it's like a self-fulfilling thing that just keeps going after generation, generation. So mm-hmm. you have these men who are not in the house. You have women raising boys and they have boys who do not know what success looks like. And even though you want success, you don't really know what success looks like. And to get the success, like the schools and everything, it's not really available to you because you have all these, you're in a neighborhood, you're in a situation which you have no access to that. So now you're like, way, way behind a regular white boy who's just getting started with a regular family, they're way ahead of you. So how do you even know what success is, right? Mm. So you have to deal with that. And then there's another Mm. thing to go now, fast forward, uh, something I call relatability, right? So if you really look at now, when we are looking for jobs we're looking to get ahead or something. It can be in business. We're looking to raise money. Uh, white people have mastered this really well. So let's say we want a job at, let's say, Twitter, right? I don't know why I thought Twitter, but if to get in Twitter, I need like a connection, right? But what's the predominant group of people in these spaces? They're white. So who are they going to refer to hire? is the next white guy. Like, cause I, I, I went Tom, we hang out, whatever. I'm going to refer him. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to refer like another black guy because even if he was as qualified, he just will not relate to uh, the white people who are in this space. So you could be the best as you can, but all these businesses, all these spaces are mm-hmm. white. They will not let you in because, and that's why they coined this whole thing, a culture fit. Culture fit is just like a way to really discriminate people who do not fit into like their whiteness, right? Mm -hmm. And as Black people, we don't really have a lot of businesses. We don't really have a lot of structures where we can at least say to another Black person, hey, I got you, come in to this business because, hey, you're going to be accepted here. And he goes back to what Alex was saying, like, if I bring in another Black guy to my white job, it just shows as if like this guy's just hooking him up. But you'll never really say like a white guy's hooking another white guy up, right? You can see how like tough it is. So those are the things that we have to deal with on top of like past generations of like systematic racism. Mm -hmm. Um, Dealing with implicit bias as a black person, you're already deemed as if like you can't really do much because you're black. Mm -hmm. I can have the most perfect grades but if I go against another white guy, they think like he's way better than me. So now I guess my next point, we have to work 10 times as harder just to seem as if we're equal, right? Like every single day, it doesn't matter what it is. Like you walk into a room, you're already doubted. So you have to prove your worth. Like you can't just achieve the bare minimum. Like mm-hmm. you legit have to like do the most. I remember this one joke Chris Rock had he said he lived in like one of the most affluent neighborhoods in New Jersey and he had Mm. to like sell a show after show to really buy the house he has. And then the neighbor, what was he? He was a dentist, like a regular ass dentist. Right. And then he says, you know, as a black man, you have to fly (laughs) just to get to where the white man can step to. Right. And legit, like that is what it's like for us every single day. It's like, wow. We, we legit have to fly to a lot of places where like white folks just have 
their door open up for them, right? Oh. So, I mean, it just starts from having nothing and working to get something. By even working to get something, it's like your, your starting point is way behind where other people got their starting points. Wow. So we legit have to do that and we have to give 10 times the effort just to be considered an mm-hmm. equal, pretty much. Wow. No, that's so, it's so interesting because I feel like listening to you guys, I'm like understanding things that my, um, that my dad does or Mm -hmm. or like his mentality. Because when it comes to success, like he always says this, even right now he's working, by the way, he started working. It was nine o'clock. He's not going to finish till it's like 1130 Mm -hmm. because to him work and success he's like you can never be successful if you don't suffer like you have to suffer to be successful like that's his ingrained belief Mm -hmm. and I and I for so long disagreed with it but now hearing it of course he thinks that like just understanding like the challenges and the stuff that you have to go through that of course will equate with that just this story like he went to school in France there's I can say I'm French. French people are super racist, especially towards African people, like super racist. Um, And for the first, I want to say the first two semesters, they didn't want to give him dorm space because he was African. Um, And people didn't want to rent or give him lease like for apartments because he was African. So he was literally couch hopping. Um, and then when he wasn't couch hopping, he tried to sleep in classrooms and janitors would kick him out because they thought like, oh, he's a risk. But if it was a white girl sleeping in, uh, in a classroom, they would definitely not do that. You know what I mean? Um, so just stuff, just like when I hear, yeah, when I hear stories like that, I'm just like, damn, that's so crazy. But it's hard because the way my body is coded is so different. Like, I walk in a space, I'm not really threatening. Like I acknowledge the privilege that I have being a woman and being so pale skin. Um, If I strain my hair, I'm white passing. So I completely understand in that sense. And it's very privilege based. And what you said, Owen, in terms of like putting people on, working in the mental health field, I definitely have seen, it's ironic, but they white people be putting white people on. And that's why... Um, access to resources, it's really not a fair thing because for two reasons. One, um, there's such a wait list when it comes to access to resources in terms of for mental health services because they are so limited. Um, So these wait lists, one, aren't, they're to the discretion of the clinician. The clinician will say who and when they want to take the patient. And usually they will take this patient based off of the description of the patient or a referral. So if they're getting a referral from their friend or from a family member, sure as hell they're going to take that person, make them skip the whole line. They're not going to take this person who they can't really read their first name. Like literally it will be like, I can't read this name. I'm going to go with this person because I can (laughs) identify. Like it literally will be as stupid as that. And I've seen it with my own eyes. Secondly, um, there, so literally people will be skipping um, wait lists. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is it's um, financial bias because now when it doesn't come to psychiatry, you have other therapy available, but these therapies cost 150 to $200 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll say insurance covers it, but insurance covers maybe $500. That's mm-hmm. like what? 
three sessions, that's so privilege-based that it's ridiculous. And it completely takes out a whole demographic of people. Because I saw there was these older white women that would literally pay with their husband's cards for their sessions. Mm -hmm. But it's like, who can really do that on the regular? You know what I mean? It's expensive. So expensive. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. I think that's one of the the chime in on real quick um, was when you said that white people be putting white people on. Mm-hmm. Asian people be putting on Asian people as well. Mm-hmm. Brown people be putting on brown people as well. You know, some of the sprinkle it in there real quick. It's just, oh yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely but, it's it's like a culture thing, right? It's a community mm-hmm. thing. You you see someone that looks like you, it's part of your community. You see yourself, you want to help each other out, which is the whole idea of ecosystem. Like we really mm-hmm. aren't all different, but if we're going to go against each other or people are going to put us against each other. We have to catch that and then really come together and heal together. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as men and women. I, I've been, I was talking about this earlier with my friend, when it comes to healing this tension, this hurt between men and women, um, especially in our community, we can't do it separately. We have to come together. So that's why I'm so happy that you guys agreed to come talk to me because now I'm seeing the male perspective Versus like you guys going to talk to another man, which I think is important too. But it's like women have to hear this very much so. Um, and I was actually talking to the same friend. I was like, hey, like, because he's a he's a black man. I'm like, hey, what, like, can you help me come up with questions? He's like, well, as a woman, what would you want to know about a man? Like, mm-hmm. and his mm-hmm. mental health stuff. And I was like, oh, true. He's like, yeah, like we, it's one thing to heal together, but you're part of that healing process. Um, so I think that's really important and kind of ties to my my final question, mm-hmm. what resources or support systems would you guys recommend or have found that has helped you or would like to have in terms of mental health, wellness, your healing journey? Hmm. I mean, I, I think Alex knows more about this, but from my dream scenario, I wish there was like a retreat some type of retreat like like men of color can all come together to really talk about their mental health and like remove yourself from like white spaces and all come together and like go away somewhere and have like a healing leader of some sort who's black Mm -hmm. and you have other black men and then you just like do a bunch of things together uh i don't know Something like that, but it's like it's like a healing retreat, but with other black men with like a leader who's like well known and knows how to help you through these things. Um, but what I would like to know is like if there's a resource of like black therapists, you feel me? There's like a list, it's like a data, it's like a data bank of black therapists, men and women. Um, because I feel like if you go talk to a white person, with all due respect, they're not really gonna understand, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are some reasons I would love to know. But Alex is more familiar with therapy and how to really access it. And um, yeah, I'm curious to see, hear what he shares of like resources because he's like really been through therapy and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, first, I'd say podcast, actually. Um, I think starting small is the best way to go about it, you know. Um, For sure. Yeah, something small, whether it be starting with, um, I don't know, would this even count? I'd say friend zone would be a good start. Great start. start. start yeah, start listening to the friend zone. 
Um, I listen to what a friend has to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, most definitely. I think that's a good start. Um, I start um, with like lip service. Not lip service, sorry. No, no, no. The read. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The read. The read, the read is a better start. Um, so and I'd also start with like psychology psychology today, um, looking at different therapists. Um, and actually just like getting on the phone and seeing if you can do like a test run with a therapist. You know, um, I think that helps a lot more so you can see if you actually vibe with the person and like not being afraid to like, um, like say, yeah, we don't vibe deuces, you know, um, I think that's like a really good start. Um, then getting on YouTube, man, there's a lot of guys out there on YouTube actually, surprisingly, that um, are talking about the things that we struggle with as guys, you know. It would be everything we talked about from anger to, um, you know, not getting along in the workplace to no fab to whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, I think um, it's a it's surprising, but, yeah, it's out there, you know. Um, yeah, those are things that really help me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But finding a good therapist, I think, is the big challenge. Um, if you, like, since it's COVID right now um, and you're not going to be going to a therapist, um, I would suggest, you know, Talkspace or um, a Talkspace competitor. I wish I had one off the top of my head, but that's um, one of mine. I have a couple, but I don't know them off top either. Mm-hmm. While you talk, I'll find them. I'll that's add them. Cool. I'll add, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to add in the description Talkspace, the other mm-hmm. online services of, on, they're Canadian-based. I don't know if Talkspace is Canadian-based, but it does come to Canada. Mm-hmm. other therapy companies that are online and I also personally know a black um, psychotherapist and I'll, I know there's a list out there to find um, black wellness healthcare clinicians um, I don't know if it's Canadian based I know in the states they have it but I'll see if there's a Canadian one so I'll add that to the list and there's also a men's um, helpline as well mm-hmm. that I know so nice. I'll add that but I'll add all the reasons. I will add. Yep, I will add all that. No, the YouTuber up. down below. Just, uh, subscribe. <laughs> I always want to do that. I always want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually have the link, you know, like, yeah. you know, or like, like click right here, and then the thing shows up right in the corner. <laughs> the thing goes over in the corner, you know. Um. All right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Those I think were really good starts. Um. Starting there. Um. And I think one thing a lot if. It, as a takeaway, um, one thing that's really helped me is being able to sit in it. Journal um, has really helped because, like, I'm, I bottle my emotions quickly. My girl be always asking me, like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. And um, because of the thought and the emotions already, like, gone, like, sunken in so deep, I have no idea what I'm already mm. thinking or feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, um, practicing sitting in it or, like, journaling has been, like, super helpful. Um, and it's hilarious to go back and read what you wrote. It's like, you pick. I wrote that shit. The fuck. You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah. So I definitely think those are two like helpful ways to like mm-hmm. whatever you're going through. Um. So yeah. Not. I just, love that. Yeah. Solid, I think I think it's a solid start. Yeah. No, that's so solid. I feel like starting small, huge. Like the podcast. That's what helped me. Mm-hmm. Um. I. Like I said, I never had that skill of talking to people. I still struggle with it. Um. Through therapy, of course, it helped. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing when it comes to therapy is you might not initially like the first therapist you connect with, just like you might not like the first person you meet. Don't give up. It doesn't mean that therapy is not for you. It's just you have to find 
someone that you connect with. I think that's huge. And unfortunately, because the resources are limited, I almost say like beggars can't be choosers, but it's so important. Like it took me a couple of therapists to find someone that I felt one was sincere and connected with me. Um, So I can only imagine what it would be like for someone who doesn't see themselves in that person. I think it's really important to find someone who you can, who you think can empathize with you to some degree. Cause I can't like, I don't know how a black man would connect to a white woman, like maybe in some way, but it's hard. How is she going to tell you about how to feel about these I don't know. Microaggressions. My, yeah, microaggressions. There you go. Yeah. yeah, like you're you're doing it to me, Janet. Like it's you. <laughs> like you're the problem. Karen. Yeah, Karen. So um, I think that's really important. Um, I know there's this one guy. They had him on the friend zone. He's this wonderful black therapist. Jarrell. Jarrell. Yeah, and he Jarell. has he has a TikTok account. I found it on TikTok, and he literally just has like all these like. Um, mental health tips even on Instagram if you want to follow like a bunch of like um, psychology um, like mental health blog posts or whatever like those kind of help because they kind of get your mind going finding helpful resources that's how Mm -hmm. I found the online talk spaces Um, even journal prompts like they help with journal prompts I think journaling is super key because it's a way to um, articulate your thoughts and your feelings before you're able to get to the next step of talking to someone. Anytime I'm upset with anybody, I always have to write it down first because I know if I'm faced to them, I will literally not know what to say. Mm. I will literally have to hit them because I can't say it. Yeah. Do Do you save like a lot of your journals for therapy? Sometimes. Sometimes I literally like for therapy, what I do is I always write what I want to talk about mm-hmm. and then I tell her okay I she's like what did you write today and I'll be like this is what I wrote and this is what I want to talk about because otherwise if she asked me on the spot I know one I would forget and two I wouldn't know how I wouldn't even know how I feel because she always starts the session like how are you doing I don't know like I just don't feel good <laughs> facts, facts, facts. I'm chilling what's, what's up? Word. I like you can't be like like going in there like it's a, it's a chilling vibe because like you're spending money, fam. Like it's a it's a pretty penny, you know. So you can't be going in there. You gotta be all right. I'm here to work. I'm here to like get this shit done and and bounce, you know. Um, so journaling is definitely helpful. <laughs> I find I'm like all right, boom. I'm about to get this. Shit. I'm about to get this shit right. <laughs> so yeah. I'm about to like knock the shit out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's yeah, I can't exactly. be having any bad habits. But another thing though, for for any artist listeners, is um, you know um. You wash your ass, you wash your armpits, you know what I'm saying? You got to wash your brain, you know? It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, point blank period. No, that's literally it. I also say this. It's so funny you say that. I always say, I think I said in one of my episodes, I was like, emotions and trauma are like mm-hmm. farts. You have to let it out. Otherwise, it's going to come out at the wrong place at the wrong time or give you a bellyache. So you better let it out. That's true. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. So just let it out. It's a healthy thing. You know, your body knows what it's doing. Um, mm-hmm. And just really allow yourself to have that release. Um, yeah. I wanted to thank you guys again. Um, if there's anything you wanted to add, feel free. Um, I, those were literally, you guys answered more than my questions. So I'm just so grateful. 
I know I yeah, this is great. This is great. 100%. Um, refreshing pod versus you know our entrepreneurship <laughs> yeah you know you sometimes know. this is a little taking a pause for the cause bro Ooh, yeah, pause for the cause that's a yeah. t-shirt quote <laughs> yeah for sure and just um, like you know we talk about biz so much i was mm-hmm. like this is actually different mm-hmm. yeah it's a bit refreshing to do you know yeah yeah stuff mm-hmm. thank you so much thank you um before we wrap up I always because sometimes my topics can be heavy. I feel like this one was very empowering and mm-hmm. um, uplifting, but I always like to end on a high note. Um, so I do my small joys. Small joys can literally be anything that have brought you um, happiness in the last week or even quarantine or a resource or something you want to recommend. Um, yeah. So whoever wants to go first, I'll think of mine. I always forget to think of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing that really uplifted me this past week and a half is I really up- updated my vision board. Um, so I took out, like I, I have a printer. So I bought some ink before this whole lockdown happened. Uh, so it's a color printer. So I like started like printing out images of the things I, I kind of put down like a, uh, a million subscribers like thing on, on my board. Um, having just big dreams, you know, like having a, a top of the chart podcast, like the house I want, the car I want to drive, things I want to accomplish. So every morning I wake up as I'm getting dressed and I turn back, I immediately see this thing and it just makes me feel very happy and very empowered. So, uh, and seeing it before I go to bed because it it gets in my subconscious and I start thinking about it and I, you know, I'm attracting that into my life slowly. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that really uh, helped me and brought joy to me. Love that. That's so dope. I need to make mine. Like I have it digitally, but I need to print it. Yeah, have it physically. Like when you when you see mm. it physically, do it. And it, even like um, some images of some other people that you want. I took like a a picture of myself and I cut out the face of my my face and I put it on their face. So now when I see that image, Ooh. I see it's me doing it. You know. Ooh. So if it's like achieving big things, it's like you already feel as if like you're there. And one of the things about achieving your dreams is you, you have to, you know, act, talk, walk, and like conduct yourself as if you are that person already. Mm. So if you see that photo of yourself and you start seeing it every day, your brain mm-hmm. thinks as if like you are that person already and you start mm. attracting. That's how the law of attraction works. It's like yeah. you, you, you actually declare your intention and you actually live in that intention in the moment. And it starts happening for you slowly. Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm list- I'm taking this little tip to Big gem right there. Big gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your mind your mindset is everything. Out of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um my small joy actually comes on Mother's Mother's Day, you know. Um it came like right in the, the nick of time. Um so I put how do I where do I start? So for Mother's Day, I want to get my mom some flowers, but that wasn't working out. Um, all right, all the living services, of course, closed. So um, I got her a, a dessert place to give her some uh, uh, cheesecake. She loves cheesecake. And uh, as like the delivery guy uh, got to the condo, I had put in uh, the, like the app to call me as soon as he gets there. Um, so he calls me, and then I, then I called the visit the uh, like the security desk, and I write out the card I'm supposed to get to my mom. 
So like she writes it down verbatim and she's like, okay, you're my pride and joy. <laughs> and then it writes out the entire thing. Um, and like puts it on the paper. I mean, on like the delivery. And um, I, I call my mom up uh, as he's going up and start like chopping, chopping it up with my mom and stuff. And like, I, I have a surprise for you. And like she, like he, he, she hears a knock on the door. And like, what's that? And then goes to answers it. And like, you know, the whole. Oh, yeah, that was a good Mother's Day. So nice. that's that's uh, really good. That's, that's like dope, way bro. better than any story I've heard from Mother's Day in a while. That's so yeah. awful. I mean, I'm an only child with no pop, so like mm-hmm. that's you know, I always I always did it up for Mother's Day. I could mm-hmm. tell she was like sad because she oh, she's working on Corona. Um, Corona. Yeah, on Corona. Wow. So wow. so she's like super like out of it because we've always spent Mother's Day together, you know. Yeah. So she's like, tough. I'm just reflecting. On, she's telling me like a voice note, like I'm just reflecting on all the Mother's Day things you did, and I'm just so like proud and. Like, damn, I could tell she was hurting, you know. So I was like, all right, we figure something out, you know. So that's so. That was awful. good. That was a small. That was nice, bro. Damn, you win with Mother's Day right now because that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, my small joy has been Skillshare. I don't know. You guys probably heard oh, of Skillshare. Yeah, I used Skillshare a while back. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So I obviously right now I'm doing the two month trial, I think, just because mm-hmm. I was like, wow, two months? We're on lockdown? Okay, I'm going to sign up. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm not in school, this is the first time I'm not in school. I'm obviously not working. and But I'm very much a goal-oriented person. Otherwise, I get very low in like, Uh, lethargic Mm -hmm. so having learning new skills and taking classes that I want to take have been really empowering and just like fun because like I'm learning how to make new graphics or market uh, marketing or using Instagram as a like as a tool that's been really cool so I think Skillshare you don't have to pay for it after just do the two months if you're in lockdown right now but just take Mm -hmm. advantage of that learn something new Mm -hmm. um I always feel better, like productive. I did something. I learned something today. So. You feel successful. You, you learned? Pardon? Before you go, can you, can you share one thing you learned? I know you're like super over time, but. No, no, no. Um, one thing I learned is that as an entrepreneur or someone who wants to make, who wants to make money off of social media, you have to remember that it's not about the likes. It's not about the following because you don't own those likes. You don't own those followers. Um, you make, so you're making no money off of that. It's about getting those followers and getting those likes and transitioning it to a way to either, whether it's through a product, whether it's through um, your own platform, mm-hmm. whether it's through newsletters, it's about bringing them over to you. So now you own that platform, you own that product. So now there's a relationship there because you can have hundreds of thousands of followers. It's Instagram that owns them. Like mm-hmm. they literally do not give you any money at all. They're just your followers. Um, so that was really interesting. And it was very much about engagement. I think it was actually O'Shane who told me about this. We both mm-hmm. know O'Shane. Um, he showed me this girl. Her name's Alex Wolf. You guys might know oh, her. Alex Wolf, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, he put me on and changed my whole life with her. And she had this example of a tweet that she had tweeted back in the day. Um, and I think the engagement was like two likes four comments or something like that but twitter asked her if they could print it and put it in soho in new york so they printed her tweet and literally had it as a billboard and she goes my tweet had very minimal like 
retweets. I didn't have many followers or anything, but the content, the quality of the content was what they wanted. Like it resonated with their, with their brand. So it's really focusing on your content and being passionate and really staying authentic and different than just chasing that, those likes really and truly. Mm. So that, that's kind of what stuck with me. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do too. Is like, we're trying to build engagement and, Mm -hmm. um, one thing we're trying to do is like get more people to listen to our podcast and mm-hmm. we're analyzing every little thing. Uh, Alex is on analyzing the analytics. Uh, every single thing we're trying to do is like, it's like living through that marginal improvement every single day. Like what can we do to get better? It doesn't have to be anything big, but something well, small we can plug do. My, my laptop's dying. Yeah. So doing stuff marginal that can really get us, uh, the next level and it's all compound interest right things compound right. over time and you just get better over mm-hmm. two years but it's like little things you do every day that build up towards that consistency that's the yeah. main thing i've noticed in all these courses all these books i've read it's consistency and mm-hmm. authenticity Most definitely. you guys probably already know this you talk about it all the time but yeah. yeah we dabble a little bit we dabble a little bit a little, yeah. a little, so a little side hustle little so, yeah know? yeah but yeah shout out to Hussein though I think it was episode 29 that he was on you know yes the, the photography business mm-hmm. and he broke down everything that we talked we just talked about make mm-hmm. sure you check that out guys yes please um and he connected us so um good people connect good people um I wanted to thank you guys again can you shout out your podcast and where they can find you? And I will also add um, all your information in the description below, <laughs> as you said. Um, but yeah, so go ahead in whatever order. Yeah, uh, Hustle Over Everything podcast. It's available on every platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Pocket Podcasts, any podcast that you have access to any platform you use your podcast for it's there and follow us on instagram at 24 7 hustler or on twitter at 24 7 hustlers and also like our facebook page we share a lot of articles i mean i love to write articles so i share a lot of my articles there and on linkedin as well at hustle over everything so you can connect us there and uh, engage with us and just um see our passion for the grind and see our passion for wanting to be successful. Mm-hmm. And don't forget your, your Instagram. Oh, no, that was Sunday. Bro. You know, the funny thing is, man, it's, uh, you always say dot. There's no dot. <laughs> there's no dot. <laughs> say word. Get so, out of here. I, I always being, say that. You I don't know. You being so nice. Just be like, oh, let's, let's let him live. Just let me. The other thing is when, when you type in my name, it shows up. So I know like if I type in O and O, like it's gonna pull up. Either way, either way. Either way, yeah. It's not gonna be confused. Look at this guy, he has the whole name on Instagram. eh? Wow. Wow. Bro, agent double O out here, bro. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Jeez. All right. Um, but yeah, my Instagram is elevated Alexander. Um, you know, all one word, or I guess all two words. Um and Owen already said all the Instagrams and stuff. So there's that. Also, um, witmedia.ca is my marketing agency. So feel free to holler mm. at me. I do all paid traffic, over six figures spent on Facebook. So yeah, I know my shit. You can always talk. No. Uh, consultation, you know, about um, Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever you need, I got you. Um, so yeah, um, building up a bigger brand on social media through paid advertising is what I do. Um, 
I'm trying to think of anything else. Elevator Alexander. And oh, our YouTube is one thing we're about to start dropping as well. Um, yeah, make sure you follow us on YouTube at Hustle Up Everything. Um, yeah, we're crafting up some great YouTube clips, man. So we have it. Yeah. Oh, one thing I just wanted to drop as well that mm-hmm. is gold. I'm telling you right now. Ooh. This is one um, featuring this guy named Pierre. Um, I can't even pronounce his Laguerre. He's Haitian. I can't. I can't, I can't uh, it's Laguerre. Laguerre. is how you pronounce it. Laguerre. Pierre Laguerre. He has this amazing story of how he was in trucking and like hurt himself and um fell off. Like, I think it was like fell off a ladder or something like that and hurt himself and then yeah. got back up and started like washing windows for a living and making like 60k a month washing the windows, then getting jumped and then having like <laughs> stitches all upon his head and then having then like making it back and having his child like in, involved and in having his go through all this shit and building a business while he's going through all this shit yo i'm telling you i'm telling y'all it's a great podcast it's a perfect wow. balance between like a, a great story tactical advice yeah. on life mm. and this like an overall inspirational story man i'm mm. telling you epic, right now epic epic wow. story so our next podcast will be a podcast number um, episode thirty two. I'm not sure when this drops, mm-hmm. so um, check it out on all streaming platforms. I'm telling you, it's a great pod. You gotta um, like listen to it. The way he tells his story. Mm-hmm. If you're asleep, if you listen to your podcast tonight as you're sleeping and you're listening to this, it's like a movie in your head, <laughs> like straight up. Honestly. Like, Sounds we like there, a movie. <laughs> we were there listening to this guy speak, and we were yeah, just just like. Damn, Yo, this is real. That was legit a hustle over everything story. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you got like uh, it was Damon John to invest in him and Chameleonaire, Chameleonaire. and like some like Harvard Business lot. Like it was, it's, it's insane. Listen, you just gotta watch it. Wow, you, know, you just gotta watch it. It's a crazy story, man. It's a crazy yeah. story. Whoa! And then the movie. When is the movie coming out? Right, and yeah, you know, we need to. He needs to get a pursuit of happiness with a movie. That's what um, it sounds like, literally. Uh, without a doubt, is that it, wow. it is that it is his own version of that. Without a doubt. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah, I'm excited. I'm gonna listen to that, and I'm gonna listen to when you guys told me about that just yeah. dropped the last episode as well. Andrew Henry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew Henry, yep. It's a non-sexy. I call it the um. I call it the Buckley's episode. I think is what I called it. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, because it's like it's not sexy, but it's a business law for your business. Mm. Yo. yo it was so much gems like what especially mm. in covid times now like all right what are you legally binded to when in, in regards to your lease for your house or for your commercial business you know what i'm saying like or if you're creating a contract between uh, a client or um a, a new vendor like what do you need to have in place how are you staying protected with your business you know there's a lot of key elements in that podcast that i never knew i was there like yo i'm here this thing down yo because because yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of gems i'm telling you like that podcast wow. yeah as well. even i was listening to it as like a fan like yeah. you know yeah. i was actually a fan of our work like i was like you know what bro this is so when you step back you're like damn this is a solid episode mm-hmm. you know I mean? yeah. wow i actually yeah. love that i love yeah. that okay well all right well i know what i'm listening to tonight and i'm yeah. gonna have my notepad and everything because that's so relevant I'm so excited. So yeah, check out their podcast, guys. And you'll def I think I've already learned so much from you guys just talking to you here and even off um the podcast. I said that. So I can only imagine what I would learn listening. So yeah. ecosystems. Yes, ecosystems. Yes. Um, yeah. thank you again for spending the evening with me and chatting about mental health. I know mm-hmm. not everyone is willing to and being vulnerable. So thank you. I really appreciate it. I know. 
I know for a fact, just because I talk about it, I see the behind the scenes. You might not get the direct messages, but I will let you know. I'll be like, this touched somebody because people always reach out after I've released an episode. So mm-hmm. I know this will touch people um, that need that needed this message. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I'm excited for what's to come. Hopefully we'll do something soon together. And thank you again. All right. Thanks a lot, Basma. No problem. Bye, guys. Have a good night.